So I was driving home in a panic. I had to get home. I had to make a call. And that was a time when the phone was attached to the wall. Remember that? Anybody? Old school. I was in high school, and I was a new follower of Christ, and I was just kind of freaking out because I had recently had someone begin to teach me through the book of Revelation, and I was afraid that it was happening that Revelations was unveiling, that this, this, this thing was happening, and, and that there was this thing that was supposed to happen called a rapture. And if the rapture came and I wasn't ready and I wasn't doing the right thing and had the right formula, well, then all the good people will be taken. I'll be left behind. It's going to be terrible here. And so I was terrified. I don't know why that the rapture had happened. And so what I did is I raced home, and I thought to myself, who's the one person who's the best Christian I know, just a great person who I know? If, if they're there, the rapture hasn't happened. And I thought about my girlfriend's mom. I thought, if she's here... I know I'm good. The rapture has, because she's the best Christian I know. So I went home, and I called, and she said, hello, and I hung up right away. <laughs> and I would do that regularly and routinely, because I was freaked out about this book. Has anybody been freaked out about this book? I mean, has anybody just looked at it and said, all right, I know it's in the Bible, and I know it's there, but everybody who seems to talk about it seems a little worked up, a little weird. And, and, and I read it, and I just don't know what's going on here. And, and so, so when, whenever, wherever you're at, whether you're here uh, in person this weekend, the hardy way to get out, you know, uh, cold, it's not cold, and, and whether you're in the, 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 the theater or whether you're watching online, wherever you're at, however you're going to look at this book, you know, um, you might look at it in such a way that you say, yeah, I can't believe we're going to do this. Because we're going to be in the Revelation for 15 weeks. We're going to be doing it all the way to Easter. And, and maybe for you thinking, man, I just, it's going to be weird. It's going to be oppressive. It's not going to be like that. Or, or maybe you're the other person who say, well, it's about time, Paul. 
It's about time. You've opened this book, and I've got it figured out. Here's my chart, and I've got it, and I can work it. And, 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 and either one of those folks, if, you're, if you have low expectations or you are, are, are have a really clear understanding of how this is going to play out, I, I just expect to be disappointing to both of you. Because here's the thing I want you to see about this book, is that this is a book about hope. This is a book about an expressible, transcendental joy. This is a book that was not written just to a lot of people a long time ago or just for something that's going to happen. No, no, no. This is a crucial book that I believe God is calling our church to study to, to equip us for right now, today, how we're supposed to live victoriously in the midst of uncertainty and pandemics and politics and change and uncertainty and, and cultural things just shifting all around us. How then are we supposed to live? The book of Revelation is called a blessing. It is a gift, and I deeply believe that God has called us as a congregation to walk through this at this time. Don't, don't, don't get me wrong. There's a big part of me that just, I mean, as a pastor, you do revelation and stuff happens. People write the emails. It's crazy. I just, I, I told uh, some pastor friends in town here, we get together every now and again, what are you doing after uh, uh, Christmas? They say, well, I'm going to do 15 weeks in revelation. They go, are you out of your mind? Are you crazy? You really, you really want to do that? And I said, no. and, and I started talking about it, and, and you could just feel the room say, yeah, God's called you to do that. So, so, so let's take a look at this book. So first thing I want to say about this is let's just define some terms. This book is an apocalypse. Now, let me just try to redeem that word, because when you hear the word apocalypse, you think Ragnarok, right? You think end of the world and fire and destruction. The word apocalypse simply means an unveiling. It, it's, it's, a, it's a revelation. It is a mystery that is right before our eyes that was hidden, and now we can see clearly. And it really has nothing to do, in terms of the concept of apocalypse, with the end of the world. It, it's, it's a dramatic way of describing cosmic and, and incredible forces that are coming together and, and, and how do you see that? So, so we need to understand that this book is an apocalypse. If we start uh, 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 this, we need to understand. This is what it means. The apocalypse is the revelation. So, so this is John chapter 1, verse 1. This is the very first thing it says in the book of Revelation. The revelation or the apocalypse. Literally, the Greek word is apocalypto. The, the revelation or the unveiling. Just imagine that you're about to see an incredible production, a, a play, a dramatic thing, and the curtain opens, that is apocalypse. We are about to get a glimpse into the spiritual reality that we live in, in this time, in this age, right now today. So, so this is the apocalypse, the relation of what? Jesus Christ. So, so that word of, the little preposition there, it means this is a revelation of Jesus Christ to say, we're going to see Jesus more clearly than we ever have before. We get more incredible revelations about the glorified, glorious, amazing Jesus. And, and one of the things we're going to see so clearly in this series is your Jesus is too small. You've got him in a box. And, and so Jesus, if we do this well, will be revealed to you in a way never has been before. And he's going to blow your mind. 
It also is a revelation of from Jesus Christ. That is to say, Jesus walks among his churches, listen now, and he has something to say to his churches. He is speaking to churches in general, and he is speaking to our church specifically. He has a specific message for us as the people of God, and he has a, a message, a revelation, an unveiling for you as well. So, so this is a revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants the things that must soon take place. That is to say, the things that literally what it says is, is are happening this moment that we are on the verge of. And, and so what this is, is, is this is not a message for the past or a message for the future. This is a message for today, for Christians today. And, and, and we're going to see that, we're going to see that powerfully in this book. So, so this is what I want to say. This book is a blessing, and, and this is so important. This is true about every book of the Bible, but especially true. Written by a real person to real people at a critical point in history with a specific message. It has relevance and application to believers in every age. So again, this was not just a confusing little book that has been just, man, it hasn't made any sense to anybody until just recently. When, when it's all going to play out, people think, no, no, no. This is a book that spoke to the original audience, written by a real person, a guy by the name of John, we're going to talk about that, and, and to real people who are going through real stuff. And every Christian in every age can discover the message, and power, find power in the message. And it has guided Christians through many times of uncertainty throughout the 2,000 years of Christianity. And so this is a book that, that was written to real people at a real time to deal with real stuff. And, and it's going to be stunning, you see, the parallels between what they were going through and what we're going through. And, 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 and the joy that we can find. And so, so we need to understand this. A couple of things we need to say is, is apocalypse is a special kind of literature or genre. So one of the most important things we're going to discover as we study this book is that whenever you come to a book in the Bible, it's just a, general, a couple general rules about how to properly interpret the Bible. You start by saying, okay, who was the author? Who was the person writing this book? Was it John? Was it Matthew? Was it Mark? Who was their audience? Okay, and who were they? Where were they from? What were they going through? How would they have seen things? And what was the message that that original author gave to that original audience. And when we understand what he said to them, we can then understand how it's relevant to us, okay? The problem so many people have when they come to the Revelation is they forget that this was an author who had an original audience with an original message. They think that this was an author who was writing to people 2,000 years from now. So, so here's the deal. He was not writing directly to us. He was writing to his audience, but the thing he was saying to his audience, the word of God, the message now has incredible relevance for us. And so we're going to follow the same good rules of interpretation we use with every book in the Bible. And, and we're going to, we're going to study this genre in terms of understanding, you know, who the author was, who the audience was. Now, now the next question you need to ask is what kind of literature is this? Because, because if you don't understand that some parts of the Bible are historical prose and tell the story of what happened, others are poetic, others are proverbs, you're going to have some big misinterpretations. And in this specific genre, we have actually lots of examples of it in the ancient world, so we, we kind of know how it works, scholars know how it works, is it, 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 meant to be dramatic, is meant to be epic. It is filled with hyperbole, and it also filled with visions, numbers and symbols. And, and one of the mistakes people will make is they'll want to take the visions literally. 
that want to take the numbers to mean numbers rather than symbolic things that the numbers mean. And they won't understand the symbols because here's one of the big mistakes we make. We look at the symbol as it's described today and we say, listen, this is so important. What did this symbol mean for us today? So when we see a symbol, what does it mean? That's the wrong question. The question is, what did the symbol mean back when it was written? Because that's what the author was trying to say. That's where we get the message. That's where we find the thing that Jesus is trying to reveal about himself and the message he's trying to say to his church throughout the age and to us specifically at this time in history. And so we've got to do the responsible work of, 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 of slowing down and doing some scholarship and, and understanding the proper way of approaching this book, okay? All right. So, so, so let me just say this, okay? This is where some of you are going to start crafting in your mind the emails immediately. Let me just let you know, okay? All right. And I'm aware. The revelation, that is this book, should not be understood as a linear roadmap to predict the events and the times related to the end of the world. That is a complete misunderstanding of the book. Now, again, a lot of you are going to get upset. I say, you don't understand. I've been taught from the time I was a kid I read Left Behind, you know, I, I remember the late great planet Earth, and we remember that. You know, I got my Ryrie Study Bible, all those kinds of things. And they, they tell me, they show me that, that if we can just get, you know, some history books and some newspapers and the book of Revelation, and we can just figure out what all these symbols mean, we can, we can say, okay, this is going to happen at this time, and then this is going to be a time, and then there's going to be a chart, and, and we'll show you, and there's going to be this guy named the Beast and the Antichrist, and it's going to work like this, and then all these things will fall into place. And if we can just kind of map it all out, then we can figure out when Jesus is going to come back and how it's going to work and where the church is going to, and all these kinds of incredible things. And I just want to suggest to you that that is a new way of looking at this book. And it is a, it is a, a way that historically Christians did not look at this book. And it is a way that when we do that, we get ourselves into a world of confusion. I mean, if there's one thing we have learned from church history is that when people use this book, and listen now, listen, listen, listen. This especially happens in times of change and uncertainty and when we are afraid. When people grab this book and they start attributing the, the things in this book to specific things going on in their world and say, oh, well, this must be the fulfillment and, and, and it's going to come back. And then they predict a date and they check out from life in such a way that, 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 that they, they no longer are, are thinking about being a redemptive force for good in this world. It is a complete misunderstanding. And listen, not only do we, let me just say it, make ourselves look silly when we predict dates and the watching world goes, there they go again. They're, they're, why are they doing that? Okay, there's real stuff in this world to deal with. And, and they're just, they're predicting all this stuff. And, and, and this has not happened once or twice. This has happened over and over and over again. We just look silly. And, and not only does that make us look silly, but listen, this is so much more important. It robs us from what the message of this book actually is. And it's a very simple message, a very clear message, a very powerful message. And it's a message we desperately need to hear right now. If we could hear the message of this book, it would guide us. But that will only happen if we can kind of take off the glasses we've been looking through and, and let Christ and the Holy Spirit come back and say, okay, 
author audience genre. What's going on here? Let's look at this with fresh eyes in a way that, that, that maybe instead of just trying to be a roadmap to the end, and that's why a lot of you don't want to go anywhere near it because it just it sounds like it's going to be horrible trumpets and crazy stuff. And there's some crazy stuff going on in here. But when you understand it, how they would have understood it, you realize that this is a message of hope. So, so let's start unpacking this a little bit. All right, let's take a look at the scripture. So Revelation, the Apocalypse of John, uh, uh, a revelation of Jesus Christ. So it's about Jesus Christ. It's from Jesus Christ. And it's for his people so that they will know how they're supposed to live with whatever is about to happen. Okay, watch this. He said, Jesus made it known by sending his angel. Now angel, the Greek word for angel there is angelos. Literally, it should be understood as messenger. And so symbolically, whenever you see the word angel, you should understand that's God's way of bringing his message. And that might be revelation, that may be the word of God, that may be a sermon, but God is speaking all the time. He speaks through creation. So this is an example of, of how he sent his message to, uh, to John. He sent it to his servant, John. Now, who is John? I believe that the John of Revelation is the John who was originally one of the 12 disciples, probably the last living disciple of the 12 of Jesus, who was a young man, probably a teenager when he started following Christ, but now he is an old man, okay? And what we're going to see is that he has become like a spiritual icon. He became kind of like a spiritual leader. But at the heart of John, if you really want to understand what's at the heart of the Apostle John, is he is a pastor, he is a shepherd. And right now, he has been arrested and he's in, in prison on the island of Patmos because of the word of God we're going to see in a minute. So, so he's being persecuted and he is separated by an island from his churches and the people he loves. And, and he's writing to them because, listen now, they are experiencing persecution they are becoming disenfranchised. People are mocking them, ridiculing them. They're losing their jobs. It's just a terrible, terrible time for them. And there is a sea that separates him. And he longs to speak comfort, hope, and blessing to them. And so God gave him this message to give to the people. That's why at the end of the Revelation, it says in the New Jerusalem, there'll be a crystal sea, but there'll be no sea. What he's saying there is, is, that, is, is that when he says there's no sea in heaven, he says there's no more separation. We can be together. We can be as one again. And so this is John. This is John, by the way, who knew Jesus so intimately, so beautifully, that at the Lord's Summer, it said he reclined and laid his head on, on Jesus' chest. I mean, that, that was just the, the, the way that they did things in that time. And, and, and he was just a, a close, intimate friend with Jesus. But he's going to see things about Jesus that are going to blow his mind so much that he's going to fall on the ground before him. So, so there are things that John is going to learn about Jesus that he never saw before. He says this, he bore witness to the word of God, who's John, uh, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ. And so he is bearing witness. One of the big themes in Revelation is testimony. And testimony, listen, listen, listen. Testimony is not about what we say and what we declare. Testimony is how we live. Did you hear me? So when the revelation says we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony, it's what we say lived out. And so testimony is how he lived. So he says, this is faithful John who has is, who is put it on the line. He's, he's, he's spoken the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of these prophecies. Literally it says, blessed is the one who declares this, who speaks this word of hope. Okay, so what should we expect if we properly interact with this book? We should not expect fear or trepidation or anxiety. We should expect blessing. 
Okay, okay. Blessed is the one, the one uh, who reads the law of the word of this book. Look at this. And blessed is those who hear it. Okay, so if you have the ears to hear the word of comfort, the word of hope, the word of blessing, man, you could be open to it. Well, it's this, but not just the ones who hear it, but watch this. And the ones who, look at this, keep, keep what is written. That is to say, this is not a book, oh boy, that is only supposed to inform what we think is going to happen in the future. This is a book that is supposed to shape how we live right now. We're supposed to keep the message of this book. This is supposed to shape everything. This is supposed to change who we are, how we think, and how we live. And so we're supposed to keep the words of this prophecy. Um, 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 uh, what is written in it for the time is near. That is to say that, that the time we're going to need this message is near. Okay? This is a message for the right now. Okay? The right now. Okay? Watch this. He goes on. Let me just show you this. Who is the author? John the Apostle. The pastor separated. Who is the audience? He's going to be writing to the churches. And specifically, he lists seven churches. And that is both an example of all the churches, but also seven specific churches that, that, that the lessons these churches have to le le uh, learn, my goodness, they couldn't be more relevant today. But understand what's going on with these churches. These churches are at a time where it costs something to follow Jesus. They are facing persecution, ridicule, disenfranchised. People are pouring shame on them. And so what John wants them to understand, here's the message. In spite of all the difficulty, in spite of the fact you've, you've suffered so much and more suffering is coming, here's the message. Stay faithful and overcome. That's a major word in Revelation because Jesus wins. That's what we need to hear. Jesus wins. And so today... In spite of everything going on with pandemics, you know what? Jesus wins. In spite of the fact that culturally it's going to cost us more to stand for Christ and be a Christian, to stand for what's right, to love, Jesus wins. In spite of the fact in this age of political divide when right and left are both using the same evil weapons of slander and shame and attack, and we choose love. Why do we choose love? Because Jesus wins. The message of Revelation, spoiler alert, is that Jesus wins. And if we can come back to that message in love and in hope, it calms us down. It blesses us. It gives us uh, an avenue of how we're supposed to respond in these times that are deep and, and difficult. Okay, so John to the seven churches of Asia. Author, audience, okay, when? This is a real time. They're living in Asia, time of persecution. Real guy writing to real people with real stuff going on. Watch this now. Great, and, and I want you to notice too, he's not talking about anything new. The revelation is, is not something that the rest of the Bible didn't talk about. In fact, one of the things that's going to be crucial for our understanding is that everything in the revelation is simply a reinstatement of something that has already been said in the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, and in the teaching of Jesus. And so he starts and he plants his foot with the gospel, this message of Jesus. Look at this. Grace to you and peace um, from him who is, who was, and is to come. And so Jesus was before, he's today, he's the future. So some people say his revelation about the past is about the future. It's about all of it. 
But what matters for us today is that it's for us today. It is one who was, who is, and is to come from the seven spirits who were before a stone. Let me say something about the seven spirits. This is an example of symbolism. The number seven, someone say, well, what are those seven spirits? And they try to figure out all the seven spirits. The, the number seven in Revelation is the picture of complete. It's the picture of, of, of perfect. It's the picture of, of totality. And so when he's talking about the seven spirits, he's talking about this perfect spirit of God. And we're going to see that. I'm going to be able to unpack that in a couple of weeks. But, but it's the perfect spirit of God. It's another way of saying the Holy Spirit. And, and we're going to see in the symbolisms and the way that numbers are working, what he's talking about here is the Spirit of God. From the seven spirits of God who are before the throne, from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. So why are we faithful? Because Jesus was faithful. Why do we live a testimony? Because Jesus lived a testimony. How should we respond in this age of outrage and anger and attack and slander? The very same way Jesus did. Through sacrifice, through love, through faithfulness, even if it costs us our life, our wealth, our position. We stay faithful in the midst of losing all of that. Why? Because Jesus wins. At the end of the day, anything we lose here is nothing compared to the reality that's going to be released. Oh, I want to jump to chapter 22. I can't do it. All right, man, it's going to be so good. We're going to do that for Easter, by the way. Oh, man, it's going to be, I got to stop. I'm going to start preaching that message. So much in my head and my heart. All right, faithful witness. The firstborn of the dead, that's a reference to the resurrection. Okay, so why do we have hope in this life? Not because of this life, but because we believe in this thing called resurrection. We are citizens of the new Jerusalem. And, and so resurrection, again, not a new concept of the Bible. He, he, he's just reinstating the gospel. He says, he says, faithfulness, the firstborn from the men and the ruler of the kings of the earth. We're going to see, we see in the gospels, the human Jesus. In Revelation, we see the glorified Jesus. I mean, and he is glorious and he is awesome. At times, I mean, he's not someone you play with. He, he's holy and all. We're going to talk about fear, the word wrath. We're going to be talking about that and unpacking that. But even in that, you're going to see an incredible comfort and joy even as we unpack that. Watch this. goes on. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins. So again, just a reinstatement of the gospel. This is not some new revelation. This is a reinstatement of the, the, the entire revelation of the gospel. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So again, Jesus is going to be described. One of the names, there's like 30 names of Jesus in Revelations. One of them is the lamb that was slain. Okay, the one who gives his life. How does he do it? He, he gives us by his blood. So in his blood, he provides salvation, but he also provides an example. Okay, all right, we'll see this verse six. And made us a kingdom of priests. That is to say, a, a group of people who go to God directly, who connect with God directly, who now mediate between God and humanity. How? And the same with Jesus. Through love, service, sacrifice, humility, these are the things that are really powerful. To his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so this is just a reinstatement of everything we believe as followers of Christ. Look at this. He says, behold, and, and this is the spoiler alert. Notice he starts at the very beginning of the book by talking about what's coming at the end of the book. Okay, so if you haven't read the book, I'm about to uh, you know, blow it for you. So this is what happens at the end of the book. Jesus comes back. He establishes his kingdom. It's glorious. And, 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 and this is what we set our hearts for. Not in this life, in this earth, 
but in the one to come. Now that changes how we live now. It changes radically how we change our lives now. It actually fills our life with more happiness, meaning, and purpose when we don't live for this life. We recognize that this is temporary, that we are strangers, we are pilgrims, we are aliens. We are just passing through. He says this, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him. Why will they wail on account of him? Because he comes back as judge in righteousness. And, and the ones who, listen now, love this earth, love this kingdom, the, the way things are now, they're going to be disappointed because it all comes to an end. If you align yourself with that, you'll be the one, the one who wills. Uh, you'll be the one who wills. Even so, he says, amen. So amen means let it be. It can't happen soon enough. Come, Lord Jesus, come. And so this is the message. This is what he wants us to see about himself. This is a revelation about Jesus. I am, Jesus says, the very first. Alpha means first. And the omega, the very last. He says, I was here at the beginning. I'll be here at the last. First one in, last one standing. No matter what happens in between, Jesus wins. And so for us to, to understand that, believe that, gives us courage to continue to stay faithful to him, not just saying we're with him, but also living like he wants us to live and, and living his way. And the Alpha and the Omega uh, says the Lord God who was, who is, and who is to come, the Almighty. He says, I got this. The plan's playing out. And when we hear that message, it's got to shape how we live now. And any pains, loss, and disappointments we face in this life um, um, are nothing compared to what's waiting for us. I, John, so this is the author, your brother and partner in tribulation. So he says, I'm your brother and partner in tribulation. Now let me just ask you a question. If what it means to become a follower of Jesus means that our community and our partnership means we go through tribulation, not that there's going to be a tribulation, but that we live in tribulation right now, and that here in this point in history, it's going to start costing us more to be a follower of Christ than it ever did before. Are you still in? Are you still in? You say, oh, you don't understand. I kind of signed up for, I'll follow Jesus if he makes my life better here on earth. I really wanted him to improve me. I went through a tough time, so I'm just kind of checking out Jesus. But what if actually becoming a follower of Jesus makes your life here on earth harder, more of a challenge? And yet, and yet in the midst of that, there's a power and there's transformation that comes that, that, that actually in another way makes it easier. What if tribulation is the calling? Are you still in? John says, I'm your brother and a partner in tribulation and in the kingdom. So we have to, one of the biggest questions we're going to have to ask ourselves in this Revelation studies is what kingdom are we part of? What kingdom is our citizenship in? What kingdom is our citizenship in? Partners in the kingdom and in patient endurance. That is to say, don't give up. Overcome. This is a book written to those who overcome. And we're going to see in a couple weeks the promises given to those who overcome. Oh my goodness. Especially those ones who are called the martyrs, who have sacrificed and bled and given for the kingdom and, and paid that price. It's absolutely, uh, absolutely amazing. So this is a book for those to patiently endure that are in Jesus was on the island called Patmos. So this is where he's at. I'm on this island on account of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus because I proclaimed God's word and I lived out Jesus. And so they thought, what we'll do is we'll just get rid of him. We can't kill him. That'll make him a martyr. We'll put him on this island and we'll separate him from the people he loves and the people he wants to shepherd and, and that'll shut him up. 
and didn't work out so good. We're still reading his book 2,000 years later. So that kind of backfired on him. Okay. All right. I'm going to give you the big spoiler alert. Okay. I realize I just threw a lot at you. And again, we're going to be doing this for 15 weeks. And I'm going to give you lots of resources. Um, I believe, church, that this is a calling God is putting on us in our church to be aligning our life with the heart and, and mind of God. Because I, I truly do believe that in the years to come, it's been easy to be a follower of Jesus Christ in this country, in this part of the world. I think to be a true follower of Jesus Christ, one who really lives by Christ's ways, is going to start costing us more. And so we got to hear this message. Let me just give you an overview. Spoiler alert. This is what is, is Revelation, I think, is all about. These are the themes that we're going to be going over a lot. All right. The spiritual unveiling. So again, apocalypse, unveiling, revealing, curtain opening. Okay. There are two kingdoms, okay? There are two kingdoms, okay? That's what this whole book is about, okay? The first kingdom is ruled by the Trinity. And these characters show up all over in Revelation. The Father who is on the throne. We understand that, right? The Lamb who was slain. Now, this Lamb is also a lion. He's also a rider on a white horse. He's also the one who, who has many crowns. He is the victorious one. But he is start, he's centrally known as the lamb who was slain. So one who came and gave his life rather than took life. Okay? And then the complete or perfect Holy Spirit. They rule the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God. Okay? Now there is an unholy trinity that shows up. And we're going to see these. And this is where it gets scary. But again, at the end of the day, what's the message of Revelation? Jesus. Jesus wins. Watch. There's one called the dragon. He's clearly identified as the spiritual evil. It's called Satan or the devil. He's filled with ruthless, horrible hate. And, and he is, he is the, the first part of this unholy trinity. And then there are beasts. There's not a beast. There's multiple beasts. And beasts are what happen when the dragon establishes kingdom. It's, it's when evil gets empowered and, and, and it becomes uh, uh, violent. And, and there are many people who celebrate the beast because many times they bring order. And for a select group, they bring prosperity. But ultimately, the beasts are forces of wickedness working in this world. And we're going to see it. And then there's the spirit of Antichrist, this idea of Antichrist. And so a lot of people say, well, we need to figure out who the beast is and the Antichrist is. And we got to find out the formula I, that's a misunderstanding. The, the world is full of beasts. The world is full of things that are anti-Christ and the spirit of anti-Christ. And, and when you begin to see, this is just a compliment. This is just the, 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 the gospel, or the writer of John trying to show us the spiritual reality that we work in. And so what we just need to understand, and this is one of the things that can be scary about Revelation, is there's real evil in this world. There are real spiritual forces that are seeking to do real evil things, okay? And that we understand that, that there are two kingdoms here. One led by our Heavenly Father and one led by the dragon. We need to decide what kingdom we're part of, okay? Now watch this. Of these two kingdoms, okay, there are two cities that are being established. You're going to see this in Revelations. Some of you are going to read Revelations again and say, I, I see it in a wholly different way now. There's Babylon, okay? So, so it talks a ton of revelation about Babylon being, um, being, being the, the, the city of God. And so Babylon was a historical city. It was a city of captivity. It was a series of uh, um, oppression. But Babylon, listen now, is any time the dragon's ways become established, any time beasts are empowered in such a way that evil reigns and rules, okay? This is Babylon. On the other hand, 
The kingdom of God is establishing the new Jerusalem. And the end of the book is all about the new Jerusalem. And it is a place of love and peace. It is a place of, of, of inclusion. It is a place where there's healing for people from all tribes, tribes and all nations, male and female. It is a place of freedom and forgiveness. This is the ultimate winning, winner. And these two kingdoms are at war. And we need to, to decide whether or not we're going to be part of Babylon or the New Jerusalem. Now, if I were to take a poll here today, all good church folks, right? Do it online too, and, and say, who's for the New Jerusalem? I'd get all the hands going up, okay? It's a little bit more complicated than that. Because many people say, I'm with the Lamb, and I'm of the New J Jerusalem, but the truth is, we're really comfortable in Babylon. Because Babylon's been a pretty good gig for us. And we kind of have been living like the standard of the dragon and the way of the dragon, and we've been prospering here. And, and, and if we were honest, if it were to go away, there'd be part of us that would wail. There'd be part of us that would weep. That's why there's two other characters that come in line in the book of the Revelation. One is the whore. Can you say whore in church? I hope so, because I just did. So, so the whore is the picture, listen now, of the person of the institution, of the church, of the government that says, oh, we are all about the lamb. We're all about Jesus. We are Christian, but they sleep with the dragon. They live by the dragon standards. What are the dragons? Wealth, power, oppression. And so in their heart of hearts, they are cherishing they are living by the standard of the world, even as they give allegiance, faithfulness, uh, a, a declaration of faithfulness to the lamb, they live like the dragon. That's the whore. And then con con contrasted to that is the faithful bride. I mean, that's everywhere. The, the book ends, I wish you could jump there right now, the wedding feast of the lamb. The wedding feast of the lamb and the return of Christ and, and, and just the most beautiful thing. We are called to be the faithful bride. The church of Jesus Christ is called to stay faithful, to be the ones who overcome. In this age where all the pressure is, is, is to be part of Babylon. And Babylon at times will try to force people into oppression. Other times, listen now, it will woo us in to say, if you just come live like us, it'll be better. You'll do really well in this life. And the truth is, in this life, you might do better in this life living as a citizen of Babylon. But the call is for us, and you're going to see it so clear in Revelation, it's a, it's a passionate call in Revelation to, to my people, come out from her. Come out from Babylon. Because you are citizens of a better kingdom, of an eternal kingdom. Don't fight like they do. Don't live like they do. Don't value what they do. Even in the worst example is when we say we are doing things for the Lamb, but we do it as if we do it in the way of the dragon. That is the ultimate example of the whore. And when we understand that overview, all of a sudden, there are things in Revelation that are going to start jumping on it. You're going to blow your mind. Say, holy cow. And then there's a horrible part after that. It's going to start saying, oh my gosh, there are things I value that are not of the New Jerusalem. They're of Babylon. I've got to come out of her. I've got to repent. I've got to turn away. I've got to choose the way of the lamb. See, the beast will come from the dragon and will take life. Jesus was the lamb who slain, who gave his life. And so if I'm a citizen of the kingdom, I don't demand life, I don't take, I don't oppress, I don't value, I don't, I don't think about wealth. Instead, if I'm a child of the kingdom, 
What I actually say is, what I'm going to be is in the face of outrage and hate, I'm going to be the person of love, the person of peace, the person of tolerance, the person of compassion, the person of justice. Why? Because that's what the lamb does. And I'm with the lamb. Why? Because the lamb wins. Because he is a lamb who is a lion, who comes back and, 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 and conquers the nations. And, and when Babylon falls, the first group of people, it says they, whoa, Babylon has fallen. They're, they're heartbroken that they've lost this kingdom of the earth. So, spoiler alert, that's where we're going to be. And that's what this book is all about. So here's some things just remember about the two kingdoms. The dragon was defeated at Calvary, but still rages. So the devil has lost. He, he, he was defeated at Calvary. This is not a future thing where he's going to be destroyed. He is destroyed. He's, he's like, you know, the old illustration, of chicken with his head cut off, still running around. Okay? But he has uh, been defeated, but he still rages. We are in the, 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 the in-between. Beasts come and go. There are oppressive forces of evil that when they get empowered, when they get entrenched, um, they come, they go. Watch this. The spirit of Antichrist keeps lying. We're going to talk about what's the spirit of Antichrist. Is anything that will lie in such a way to turn us away from Christ. That's the spirit of Antichrist. It's the opposite of the Holy Spirit. And, and watch this. But this is the thing. Jesus is establishing his kingdom and the people of God endure. That's the message of the revelation. To the one who overcomes, I'll make a pillar in the temple of my God. I, I will give them a new name that, that's known only between me and them. That, that we are called to say, I am with the Lamb. I'm coming out of Babylon. So what are our next steps? Just some humility. Okay? If you've got a, a view of Revelation and, and um, man, you, you just you got all the charts mapped up, just take a step back. And see, it can't get to the heart message of what's going on here. And all of us together, just in humility uh, of saying, you know what? I see how you, you frame this thing, how Revelation frames this thing of, 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 of Babylon and the New Jerusalem. It's going to take some humility for me to say, oh my gosh, I've got a lot of Babylon in me. There are things of this world that I value. There are principles in this world I, I live by. There are actions that are more in line with how the dragon acts than how the lamb would ever act. I've got to come out from her. I've got to be different. And, and so just going to need some, some humility. Second thing I just want you to do is dive in. You know, we've got tools. I'm going to talk to you about the tools. And, and start reading this book. And don't focus on the stuff that's scary. You don't understand. Find some stuff that you do understand. And, 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 and just expect the Holy Spirit. I, I, I've studied this book for years and years, and every time I look at it, there's another layer. There's another truth that would pierce my heart. And don't go with such an understanding, okay, this is like a really cool puzzle, or it's like a, um, um, what are those murder mystery podcast things that I'm going to figure it out. It's not like that. Instead, it's meant to see what, what is this blessing that I could have that could make me more in line with the Lamb and the kingdom and the new Jerusalem. And, and I want to I be conformed. Why? Because I want to be one of the ones who overcome. I want to be the ones who endure. I want to be the faithful bride. Why? Well, because Jesus wins. Because Jesus wins. So I'm going to dive in. I'm going to dive in with maybe a way I'm never... I'm not going to try to understand the book. I'm going to let the book understand me and change me and transform me in the most profound way. We got devotions. We got, we got the devotions you can pick up and get them online. We have family devotions. Our kids are doing revelations right now, okay? Don't worry, we're not scaring them down there. It's, it's all good. They, they really, they're really good down there. Um, but, but this is worth talking about because you know what your kids need to know? If you want them to endure and stay faithful to Jesus, you know what they need to know? Then you know Jesus wins. 
And you need to talk to him about it. You need to live. You need to live like Jesus wins. Some of us live like Jesus is not going to win. But Jesus wins, okay? We got our 12 app. You just need the devotions. Um, um, School of Unlearning, we're going to be unpacking a lot of stuff in the podcast. There's way too much. I talk fast, but I can't get it all in. My heart and head are just exploding. Whew, there's so much. And then next steps, right now media. That's a resource we have. You can get it online. There are, there are two that we've highlighted. And if you go to the Jacob's Well Right Now Media, so you go Right Now Media through our Jacob's Well webpage, you're going to find these two teachings. These are just profound, wonderful ways of helping you understand the book. It's a reinstatement a lot of what I've been saying, but it's deep, it's powerful. And, and if you want to kind of get a, a fresh look at this book, these are some things that you can use that are here for Right Now Media, okay? So church, I truly believe, I, I, um, I told the staff and the overseers a while back, quite a while back, who wanted to do this thing in Revelations, and uh, they all uh, kind of wouldn't make eye contact and crawled under tables and things like that. Um, and, and because you in your mind, and then, then there was just this thing as we started praying and talking that we really believe that God has called us to this. That I, 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 I wish I could say to you that I am every confidence that 2022 is going to be better and people are going to be better behaved and I think the political situation is going to calm down and I think the pandemic will pass and ha, 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 I don't know. Hopefully all that will get better. But here, the deal, some other thing will come up. Some other beast will emerge. Okay? We have to decide now. Are we with the lamb or with the dragon? Okay? Let's pray. Father, um, Thank you that you're the kind of God that loves your people so much that you would give a revelation about who Jesus is and about what Jesus wants to say to your church. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that not only do you win, you have won. In the cross, the resurrection, you have won. And we are in the in-between. We, we are in that time where we're waiting for you to come and establish your kingdom in your time, in your way, in, in mysteries that we don't even begin to understand. But until then, more important than trying to understand dates or trying to figure out formulas or trying to write charts so we can feel intellectually right, I would pray, Father God, that we would have the kind of hearts and humility that would want to be spiritually right, that we would want to be in love with Jesus. We would like to be faithful to his kingdom. We would like to be with Jesus. We are with the lamb and we live by the lamb's principles. We act like the lamb. We are coming out of Babylon. We're rejecting the lies of the Antichrist that says it's all about image and wealth and power and control. And if you have those, then you're right or righteous. But, but we believe in the example, the testimony of Jesus of service and love and sacrifice. And may that be who we are. How refreshing would that be to the watching world to see a church fully invested in love, truly humble, a church that is so in love with Jesus that our natural response is just act like Jesus. May we be the faithful bride. May we repent from any part of us that's ever been uh, the unfaithful. The whore. So God, as we do this work, as we start digging in, as we start letting you do surgery in our souls with the Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would just, you would just shake us to our foundation, that we could truly be salt and light in this community, in this world, that the revelation of Jesus would not just be for us, but it'd go out beyond this place, that you'd be glorified and your church would be known and your name would be lifted up. 
Lord Jesus, we are with you because we believe in the new Jerusalem. We believe in the lamb that was slain. We believe that you win. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for being here this weekend. You're dismissed.